I just want to start by saying that it is so great to be back. I haven't been uh, in the services in the last two weekends because I've been out in two different uh, fall retreats with our students. And so I miss it here. I miss seeing some of, some of you. I miss seeing some of your smiles and just being able to worship together in the house of God. It is so great to be here. Now, I do also want to do a disclaimer because the last time I taught here, I shared the story of Pastor Butch. And I share how I, I pull up, we tried to pull a prank at him that quickly backfired. A prank that we were trying to, you know, get at, at him because of how difficult it can be for us to get budgets approved. And in the story I share, I may have left you with a conclusion that Pastor Bush did not allow me to go back to the DR. And he did. He ended up allowing me to go to the DR. So I didn't want you guys to go. You probably went home that day thinking, man, Pastor Bush, yeah, don't mess with him or else he will not let you go home to see your family, your cousins, you know, eat some Dominican food. Yeah. But that's not the case. He's actually good. He let me go. Uh, Today we're dealing with the topic of anger. And this is a topic that I'm confident that the majority of us, if not all of us, are very familiar with it. If you think about maybe uh, when you look at the you know, TV shows, for example, think about the office. You think how many times in the office anger is being displayed at us. If not, consider Michael Scott and Toby. Anytime Toby is in the picture, Michael Scott gets angry, right? But if not, you probably have been angry at times. And if you haven't been angry at times, you have probably suffered the effects of someone being angry at you. We're all experience and we all have some idea of what anger is. For me, it started when I was the age of 10 years old. I was back in the Dominican Republic where I'm from and there in the DR, I was a very innovating kid. I was smart. I thought I was smart. I came up with things that no one else have ever thought about it. You know how we now text. We text each other when we want to say something. Back then, phones were not so much of a thing. Instead, we yell at each other. And so I had, a, I had a house here. My house was here. There was my neighbor's house right here. And my best friend's house was right here. His name was Adrian or Adrian in, in Spanish. So anyways, every day for this, for, I don't know what it started this, but this was this season where I would come outside of my house to my driveway and I would scream at Adrian. I would be like, Adrian! And he would be like, Eric! And then I would be like, Que tu haces? Which means, what are you doing? You know, because we're speaking Spanish. What are you doing? And then he will be like, nothing. And then I will be like, okay. And I'll go back in. And we would do that every single day for at least a span of a week. And then one day, it, it switched around. Typically, I was the one who started it. But this time, Adrian started it. Adrian goes and says, Eric. And I'm like, what is it? In Spanish, obviously. And he goes, come here. So I go, and I'm walking to his house. Now, for your information, his cousin, who was a little bit, he was probably mid-20s. I almost said mid-80s. Mid-20s. That would have been a, <laughs> that's a long cousin. Anyways, mid-20s, he's, he lived just across the street from him. And as I'm walking to his house, I remember walking to the front of his driveway, and I'm looking at Adrian in the back, and I can see he has a smirk on his face about something bad is about to happen. Little did I know is that Adrian's uh, cousin was sneaking behind me with a bucket of cold water that he grabbed and dumped it on me. And he said, this is so that you will stop screaming every day of the week. 
And I remember that at that moment, I was so mad, I was so angry that I did one of this. Ah, and I just scream. I let God, I just said, keep in mind, I'm 10 years old, right? So at that point, I experienced what it's being like to be angry. But I'm sure you have experienced as well what it's like to be angry. And in fact, I have a list of things where you and I could relate as far as being angry. And, I, and just, just for clarification, this is not a limited list. There may be some things that you could add to the list of your own that makes you angry. But number one, being ignored. Being ignored may make you angry at times, right? Being lied to. When someone comes and looks at you in the eyes and they tell you a lie, that may make you angry. Number three, being told that you're wrong when you're not wrong. I, I said this earlier in the senior service, and it, it, there's like 13 of us, and it was so evident. You had like couples that went like this, whoop. <laughs> you know, they know. I know, you know, Jenny. Anyways. Uh, no, uh, number four, not being heard. You, you, you're talking to someone, and you're having a discussion, a conversation, and you can tell that the person, instead of listening, they're thinking of the next thing they're going to be telling you, right? Number five, ignorance. You will be surprised how many times I get told by someone, Eric, you wouldn't know this. Eric, there's no way you wouldn't know this because you're not from America, or you wouldn't know this, right? Ignorance make, make you mad. Number six, bad drivers or traffic. People cutting you off the street, right? You know, that, you know. Uh, seven, this is a special one. And, and if this is you, I pray that you meet Jesus today. I pray that you meet Jesus. If uh, people that chew with their mouths open, ooh, that, you know, that, that make, yeah. Number eight, when they don't replace the toilet, the toilet paper. Number nine, when you hold the door for someone and they don't say thank you. Doesn't that just, like, bother you? It's feeling like you want to tell them, hey, you know what, I hope that when you get home, you step on a Lego barefooted. That's what you want to tell them, right? And then number ten, when you pour out your cereal and realize there's no milk. Ooh, you know, that's, those things makes you angry, right? And I'm sure that the list is, is, could be more for you. I'm sure you could add things to the list that you know that makes you angry, things that will trigger you. Now the question is, how many of us will look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am someone that struggles with anger. I am someone that has struggled with anger. Something I didn't share about the story of me is that when I was, when, when that happened, people started calling me Montrico, which is Little Monster. That, that was the nickname that I had growing up in the DR, the Little Monster. And, the, and there is truth to that because it, it, the reason why they based that nickname on me was because of the moment of anger that I had in that moment. What you will see is that all of us have this anger, this monster from within us, that it turned out to be anger. But we're going to talk about that. But when you consider the question or when you ask yourself the question, am I someone that struggles with anger, you're not going to be able to answer that question accurately unless you fully understand what it's like, what, it, what does it mean to be angry. So let's look at that. What does it mean to be angry? I, I did a, lo, a little bit of research through, you know, I look up some doctor's definition, some dictionary definition, and I even looked some of the definition in the Bible when the word anger is being used and what it means in the original language. And this is the definitions that we have. is that anger is a strong emotion of instant displeasure on accounts to conflicting forces, tendencies, or principles. 
In other, words, in other words, it is this instant feeling you get when something in front of you that is happening is not going the way that you believe it should go, that it's, the going, it's not going the way that you feel like it should go, or it's not going the way that you think it should go. For instance, you're driving and someone comes and cuts you off the street. You get angry because you believe or you feel or you think that the way that individual is driving is not the way that someone should drive. You, get, you look around the, our world, right? You look at all the injustice. You look at all the, the children being abused. You look at families breaking up. And maybe in your own life you've seen that happening. And you get angry because you believe, you think, and you feel like this is not how things should go. And for that matter, you get angry, right? So we, we see that this things, uh, that, angry is more, that anger is more prevalent in our life than we often think. However, a lot of times we'll, we will not call ourselves to be angry people. A lot of times we will see anger to be such a distant feeling. And why is that? Because most of the times when we think of being angry, we think of one type of anger, which is that one type of anger that is completely aggressive, that is very evident. That person that gets up here and starts screaming at you, that moves, moves their hands, yell at you and, and get at you, or even get, go physical towards you, we know that's a person that is anger. And so it's easy for us to point out that person as an angry person. But there are other types of angers, other types that are more subtle. You have the one type of anger that... When things don't go the way that they think they should go, that when things are in front of them is not how they feel, think, or, or, or believe they should go, they get angry. And instead of dealing with them with someone because they don't like conflict, because they don't like addressing the problem, they dig a hole and they bury it. They bury the anger. And this is the kind of anger that happens most in relationships. This is the one that you may have seen in sometimes in your marriage or in your relationship with your children or in your relationship with your parents or even in your relationship with your bosses. When things that they do or say to you are not the ways that you think, you believe they should be or be, or done, or be done. And so as a result, you get angry from within you. You can start feeling that tension boiling inside of you, that tension that is telling you this is not how things should go. But you don't want to deal with it. You don't want to confront someone. Instead, you bear it. And so what does it do to you? It distances you, distance you from the people. It makes you bitter at them. It makes you not want to look at them or have any interaction with them. Because deep inside you, you are hurt by this anger that you have inside you. The other type of anger is a little bit, it's a little bit more subtle. You see, you recognize that being fully aggressive is bad. But you also recognize that keeping it to yourself is bad. So what do you do? You find a happy medium, which is to be passive-aggressive. And so you become someone that you're passive-aggressive. You get mad. You get angry. And as a result, what you do is that instead of going all out on someone, you find ways where you can let them know that you're mad at them or that you're angry at them. And how does that play out? You become sarcastic. You gossip. You do things in spite of them. You do things to make sure that they know that you're angry. And so what we see is that a lot of times we may call ourselves to be, I'm just frustrated. I may tell myself, I'm fine, I'm okay. But in reality, there is this anger inside of us that may be boiling on us. So are you someone that you wrestle with anger? Is anger something that is present in your life? 
The other thing about anger is a lot of times we justify anger. We think that there are times in our life where anger should take place. And this is where we get the saying, the righteous anger. So let's look at that. Is there such thing as righteous anger? A story that you will see many of us go to when it comes to this is the story in Matthew. Matthew 21 in verse 12 where you have Jesus that is going on his way to this temple and he sees that things in the temple are happening not the way that they should happen. That things are happening in the temple are not the, the way, they're not happening the way that he believed they should be happening. So let's look at what Jesus does. In Matthew 21 verse 12 it says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and brought in the temple. And he overturned the temple and the money changers and, and the seeds of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of rubber. We see this story and we get the visual of Jesus coming to this temple and grabbing all the, the tables and flipping them off because he realized that what these people are doing is not what is supposed to be done in the church, in the temple. And so because of that, we look at the story and we think to ourselves, if Jesus can have a righteous anger, so can I. And then we look at issues in our, uh, things in our life. To name one, we look at abortion, and we are willing to get on social media and start getting on full-headed arguments with people on social media about the topic of abortion because we believe that no one, is, no one is able to do this unless we do it. We believe that if this unborn baby doesn't have a voice, if we believe that this unborn baby is not able to speak, someone has to speak for them. And if I don't do it, who will do it? And as a result, we, jo- we, we tell ourselves, this is a righteous anger. Now, when we look at the story of Jesus, we miss something often. And it's what happens right in verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You see, Jesus' anger was, was righteous because of two, two reasons. One, it was under control. Jesus never lost his control when he was angry. But two, it led him to actions. You see, Jesus was able to come to this temple, overturn the tables, and yet he was still able to continue to do his purpose. He was able to continue to do his job that he was called to do here on earth. He was able to do what he was being called to. The problem, though, is that many of us, we let anger sit in on us so much so that we allowed anger to consume us to the point that it keeps us from, being, from doing the things that we've been called to do. That is the problem with anger. The problem with anger is that we don't really feel like we are under control of it. Instead, we let it to consume us so much that when we do the things that we're supposed to do, we ignore them. We don't do them. And the reality is that as Christians, you and I should be able to respond in anger to things that are of injustice. We should be able to respond in anger to things that relate to sin. But we should never allow it to consume us. Instead, we should always seek opportunities for us to be able to share the love of Christ with people. And I will be naive, I would admit, I will be naive if I was to think that there may be some of you here today that you have been hurt by Christians that did not have anger under control. I will be naive to think that you have not been hurt by some Christian that was 
out on you and that they thought they were being righteous in their anger. And yet, instead of being righteous, they were allowing their anger to consume them and to control them. And instead of showing you the love of Christ, instead of pointing you to Christ, they did completely the opposite. And if that is you, I am sorry. I am sorry that that has been the case. You see, Christianity is not about what we, well, it's not about getting angry about the things that we believe is right or not. Christianity is about having a personal relationship with Jesus, a relationship that can't mend any hurt done by Christians, that can, a relationship that can provide for you hope, peace, love, and purpose, and a relationship that can allow you to have everlasting life with Jesus. And yet, we see, because of Christians, that think that they're being righteous in their anger, we see that often what we do is that instead of having righteous anger, we simply have anger. We disguise our anger by justice. We disguise our anger or we overjustify our anger by saying that this is what it must do, but we forget that anger should lead people to Christ. If you're going to be angry about something, you should be leading people to Christ in when you're getting angry. If you're going to be having conflict with someone because of the way they're living their life, you should make sure that at the end of that, you're pointing them to Christ, not the opposite way. So, now, the reality is, though, is that, like I said, many of us may not consider ourselves to be someone that struggles with anger. Many of us, we we may think that, you know, anger is not as prevalent in our life. And the hope is that today you are able to see that anger may be more present in your life than you think. That the times that you have said that you're, ang- that you're, you're not angry, you're okay. That the times that you have thought that you just were being passionate. That the times that you thought that you were, you were simply doing what was right, that you were justified in your anger, could have been in times, just times where you were simply just angry. If that's the case... You have allowed this monster within you to take part in your life. You have allowed this monster from within you to rule your life. And so today we're going to see in, in, in the book of Proverbs how this anger, the effects that it produces. So I'm going to read them, and they're going to be coming on the screen. But Solomon, in his great wisdom, is going to talk about some of the effects of anger. The first one you see is that it makes a fool of you. Anger, anger, anger makes a fool of you. We all have seen someone that gets angry and how they lose their cool. We all have seen someone that gets angry and they make a fool of themselves. Look what Proverbs 14, 29 says. It says, whoever is slow to anger and has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper assaults fully. It makes you a fool. Number two. It will make you hold on to your hurt. It will make you hold on to your hurt. Look at Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Many of us, many of us struggles with anger because we are so good at burying it. And like I said earlier, it happens most when, we, when it comes to relationship with people, with your spouse, with your girlfriends, with your boyfriends, with your friends, with your parents, with your sons, your boss, and so on. We are so good at burying those conflicts because we don't want to deal with them. And what it does is that we're holding to this hurt to a point that it's come unhealthy. Uh, this author called Paul, uh, Paul Meyer he, is, he wrote a book about anger management, and he wrote in his book, he says, 95% of people 
that, str- that struggle with depression, not clinical depression, but just depression, they struggle with depression, they struggle with this because of very anger. Think about the times in your life that someone hurt you when you didn't deal with those issues. Maybe you had your dad tell you something that you didn't agree and that, make, and that you could sense how it really, really bothered you. But instead of dealing with it, you just have let it sit in your life for far too long. And now when it comes to your relationship with your dad, there's tensions between them. And the same can be said with about any other type of relationships. Number three. It will, get you in a tr- it will get you in trouble over and over. Proverbs 19, 19, it says, A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him, you will, have, you will only have to do it again. If you are angry, you're going to keep getting in trouble over and over. You're not going to be able to just do, get angry one time and move away. No, you're going to keep going and going and going and going. That is the result, that's one of the effects of anger. For is it will affect others in the wrong way. Proverbs 22, 24, 25. It says, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Angry people, people that have struggled with anger, they will hurt you and they will lead you in a place, they will take you to, on a journey that will not be good for you. And you know, because you probably experienced it, where you have, some, you, have been, you have had to deal with the effects of anger in your own life. When someone has come at you and said things to you where they thought they were being passionate, where they thought they were being justifiable, where they thought they were just being okay, or where they, were, where you, where they thought they were just speaking out of frustration. But in reality, it was they were allowing this monster to come at you. And because of that, you are hurt. And, what, and as a result of you being hurt, you get angry. And because of this, you just don't want to deal with them anymore. The 15, it takes you on a path of continual sin. Proverbs 21, 22. A man of wrath stir up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. You get angry at someone, you get angry at something in front of you, and you want to get back at them. And because of that, it will take you on a journey where you sin, where you, where you, where, where your sin starts here and continues to go. It may start with you secluding yourself from the person, but then it may lead you to find your fulfillment in something else. In your relationship, you may get mad at your spouse because of something that they say. You may get mad at your wife because she didn't respect you and you didn't feel respected in what she was saying. And as a result, you are so angry at her that you want to get at her. So how, how do you fix that? You go out and you find things that can fulfill that pleasure that your wife could give you. Or you find other ways that you, will, that, you, that you get at people when you are mad at them. That is the effects of anger. And lastly, this one is not in Proverbs, but it's just as important. It's in James 1.20. It said, it keeps us from living the righteous life that God wants us to live. The passage says, for the anger of men does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And you will see that when we allowed anger to sit in our life, when we allowed anger to consume us, when we allowed this monster from within us to take part of our daily life, it will keep us from living the life that God intended us to live. That is why in Ephesians Ephesians 4.26 it says that be angry but do not sin. 
Be angry, but do not sin. Why? Because if you're angry and you sin, you're not going to be able to produce the righteousness of God. If you're angry and you allow the anger to consume you, it's just going to push you away from the things that you're supposed to do. If you're angry and you consume you, you're not going to be, you're not going to have it under control. And you're sure not going to allow it to lead you into actions. That is why anger is so important. So, if anger is prevalent in your life. If you look at yourself and you're someone that you say, you know, anger, it may be more prevalent, more present than I thought it was. Here are some ways of anger. The first thing is talk to someone. You got to talk to someone. You see, I know people that they've been dealing with anger for a long time. A dear, a dear family of mine, they've been married for 30 years. And recently I got in a conversation with them. And in the conversation, they said to me, you know, the things that we're experiencing in our marriage right now are things that we will never be able to fix. Why? Because they've been in this case for over 30 years now. You have to talk to someone. If you have anger in your life, it could be that it's been very angered. It most likely had been through a relationship where at times people came at you because they thought that what you were doing was not what you should have been doing. And as a result of that, you may have some anger buried in your life. Talk to someone. Look, I've been here in Marinata for two and a half years. And let me tell you, I have been blessed to see a church that has so godly leadership. There are so many great men in this church, from Pastor Mike to Pastor Butch, where you can come and talk to them if this is something that you deal with. You can get help. You know, talk to someone and recognize, too, that there are some times that anger is so deep in your life that what you need is professional help. And if that is the case, know that you're not a lesser man or a lesser woman because of that. Two, you got you to gotta, you gotta recognize that anger can be control. See, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer... You got to understand that you have something inside of you which is God Himself and it, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to give you and to help you to be someone where you don't allow anger to consume you. The Holy Spirit is someone that is able to help you in living a life that is righteous to God. The Holy Spirit is able to tame that monster from within you. Recognize that. Recognize that anger is something. That can be controlled. And lastly, you know, remember that you are not defined by anger. Remember that you are not defined by anger. I, uh, you know, I never thought I was going to be watching as many Disney movies as I see now since I have a baby. I feel like we, I watch a Disney movie at least once a day. And all the time, the movie that I'm typically watching is Moana. Right, you know, you wouldn't think much of that. But yeah, Moana. Now, in Moana, at the end of the movie, and I'm going to spoil it to you, so I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. You're not, you know, you're not going to miss it. Anyways, um, at the end of the movie, there is this monster, this lava monster who is destroying, going after, it's being aggressive and doing all this stuff. And Moana very boldly stands in front of the monsters and look at the monsters and says, hey, they may have tried to stole the heart from you, but this is not what defines you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. And immediately the template of the monster changes. You have to recognize that anger does not define you. 
Galatians 2.20 says that you have been crucified with Christ. And it's not longer you who live, but Christ that lives in you. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you got to understand that Christ is your identity. That Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you will be defined as someone that wrestles and deals with anger. Your identity is in Christ. And so you got to recognize that. But also there may be some of you here that the reason why you struggle with anger, the reason why anger is so prevalent in your life is either because you have never dealt with it and, so, and, and, it's, and you allow it to consume you every day of your life or because you've been hurt by people that have been angry at you. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus you never came to a point in your life where you recognize what God did for you through Jesus on the cross. And if that is the case, let me reassure you, let me encourage you by telling you that you can also experience freedom today. You can experience freedom from your hurt, but you can experience freedom from this monster from within you. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and three days later, he provided a way so that you can have everlasting life. He provided a way so that you can know what it's like to live a life to its fullest. He provided, he provided a way so you can have a relationship with him. And so if you're not a Christian, you've got to recognize that the, the, the very first step for you to get away from anger is to get to know God, is to get to know Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and then you guys are going to be dismissed. If you're someone here that whether you struggle with anger or whether you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then you need to talk to somebody. I will highly encourage you to talk to some of us. I know there are some pastors here in the room. you got Pastor Bush. you got Pastor Mike back there. And some all the great leaders here in the church that they're more, they will be more than willing to talk to you. If you deal with anger, don't let this sit in in you. Don't wait 30 years when it's too late, when it have, when it have been consumed your relationships, when it, when it have, you know, destroyed the people that you hold closer to you. Don't allow these monsters to be so prevalent in you. But also, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you have never put your trust in Jesus, don't leave today without doing that. This is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that we have to come to church, Lord. I pray, Father, that uh, as we study this idea of anger, Lord, that we will not allow it to consume us, Lord. That we will not let it to be that we will not let it to be uncontrolled anger, Lord. But that instead, Lord, we will seek to have it under control, and that we will seek to lead it into actions, Lord. That we will be people, Lord, that will point. Christians, we will point others to you, Lord. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here in this room that struggles with anger, that they will take the appropriate steps, Lord, to deal with it, Lord. That they will not just let it sit in their life, Lord, and allow it to consume them, Lord. And, Father, if there's someone here that does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that you will get a hold of their hearts, Lord. That they will recognize that they desperately need you today, Lord. And that you have made yourself available to them, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.